stronghold. I made a note that I came to the other day that says, when your desire to be free from the stronghold of fill in the blank surpasses your desire to fill in the blank, then you will have victory. When your desire to be free from the stronghold of financial bondage surpasses your desire to spend money, then you will have victory in your finances. When you desire to be free from the stronghold of marital strife, when your desire for that surpasses your desire to be right all the time, you'll have victory in your marriage. Oh, fill in the blanks. The key thing is when your desire to surpasses, that's a profound thought. I wanted to give you a working definition for stronghold because stronghold to me can be, there's a lot of ways to define it, but the essence of it is in this series, it's a strong paralyzing force that dominates your mental landscape and time. It's what freeze, makes you freeze. When you hear this name when you go to this place, when you're around these people. You're paralyzed. And it dominates all of your time. It dominates all of your thought. It is what your life is turning into. What paralyzes you? What, what has you emotionally and mentally tied up most of the time? That is my big question for the day. If you can identify that, that's probably your stronghold. Some of you say, well, that's my children. That's my children, my son, he's my, my, my husband, my wife, my job, my boss, supervisor. Mm -hmm. Start with what has you mentally tied up most of the time. I wanted to use a practical example, a practical story, and the Bible's full of them, that illustrates what a stronghold is, how to discover it, how to respond to it. And I wanted you to look at this one story with this one guy. His name is Nehemiah. Everybody say Nehemiah. Nehemiah. Nehemiah discovers a stronghold and he shows you how to discover them in your life. In his, in his story, in Nehemiah chapter 1, during a time when Israel was in slavery, a time after being warned by God over and over again. You've heard all these names. They had a long history of, 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 of enslavement by various kings and rulers. But in this particular case, Nehemiah was a cupbearer, a position that is one of the privileged positions. You don't just get to be the guy who they often called him a taste tester, but he's a little more than that. He's trusted. It's a high position of authority and respect. And Nehemiah is a guy who asked one question, and this question revealed a stronghold that he didn't even know existed. And next week I'll pick up on that thought. Strongholds you can't recognize. I'll talk about things you couldn't see, and I'll show you why.
you can't see them. But today, Nehemiah asked a question. Here's what he said. Hananiah, one of my brothers, came to visit me with some other men who had just arrived from Judah. I asked them about the Jews who had returned from their captivity and about how things were going in Jerusalem. He asked a question. That's all he did. The answer to the question was horrible. Sometimes you ask stuff you wish you didn't ask. <laughs> Come to know things. In verse 3, he said, they said to me, things are not going well for those who return to the province of Judah. They're in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem has been torn down and the gates have been destroyed by fire. When I heard this, verse 4 says, I sat down and I wept for the days for days, I mourned, fasted, and prayed to God. He was deeply, deeply destroyed. He had no idea. He had no idea that people were in such distress. He had no idea. Don't you watch the news sometime and it just said, I can't believe that somebody would go and capture, not one girl, hundreds of girls, and they still don't have them back yet. How can anybody march in with trucks? You need trucks, you know, to haul off that many people. How could anybody do some of the things we've seen around the world and in our own nation? But when you inquire, you, you learn things. And he asked a question. And I found out that if you ask the right questions, you'll find out where the strongholds are. So the, the, the first key to discovering your strongholds is to ask the right questions. And sometimes we don't like to let the right people in our lives to ask us those tough questions, to guide our minds to thoughts we never considered before. But this bad news that came did something. And bad news is another good way, not just questions to find out what a stronghold is, bad news. Bad news takes the cover off. It takes off your real issue sometimes. It, it's when you hear the state of your children. It's when you hear the state of the, of the nation. It's when you watch the news, and it's painful for me to watch sometimes. It's painful for me, for me to read it. But in that, in that moment, a stronghold is revealed to me, one that I did not know existed. It's in the bad news. Sometimes you don't want to hear it, but it's in the bad news. It's in that awkward, bad moment that you see something that you needed to see, even though you didn't want to. Third thing I noticed is his emotional response. Once he heard this, it revealed something in him. He wept. You know what he's feeling? I need to do something about that. I've been tied up in my world, tied up with my issues, tied up with my life. And the walls are torn down. The, the, the whole city is in disarray. My people need me, and I'm, I'm here as a cupbearer living a good life. I wonder, is your good life your stronghold? 
you're safe. You live in a nice neighborhood. You don't have to worry about crime as much. You got alarms on your car. You got alarms on your, on your, on your porch. You got alarms on your lawn. If somebody walks across your grass, they get off the grass. <laughs> you're safe. You're safe. I mean, you just, if you're not careful, that's your stronghold. See, his emotional response when he heard this revealed something. Why didn't he say, that's your problem? That's not my life. Because he knew, I need to do something about this. I can't just hear this. I can't just, I can't just know this and do nothing. I'm responsible. I need to feel engaged. Have you so disengaged that you don't feel responsible anymore? Nothing that goes on outside of your family is important. He could have just said, it's not my business. <laughs> That's their problem. But I want you to notice that he had to deal with a stronghold in his own soul. I'm too comfortable. I'm sitting here walking in and out of the king's palace every day. I'm on the staff. I'm no longer viewed the way my people are viewed. My walls are not torn down. And so he did something. He began to pray. And I like his response to the bondage. I like his response to the stronghold he discovers. Now I want you to notice this. He didn't just notice a stronghold. He responded to it. Some of us are really good at seeing stuff, but not good about doing anything. Can I ask you a question? If you died today, Day. What have you done to change the world you live in? If you died today, is your only ambition a college degree and a car and a house and a fence? Is that your ultimate dream for living? Not this guy. Something was awakened in him when his friend told him the answer to this question. This bad news revealed a stronghold in him that often lives in us. It's not just a bondage to be struggling. It's a bondage to be blessed sometimes. Sometimes when you're blessed and sometimes when you have opportunity, you forget where you came from. Oh, I know some of you got some family members that would help me remember where you came from. You can forget they used to call you Pookie and all that stuff. You understand? You forgot your nicknames. You forgot where you used to grow up. There's something about backing up for a moment. I'm not against success. I just want to make sure I don't have a stronghold in my soul that makes me say I don't care what they're going through as long as my world and my children and my life is safe. The Bible said it, verse, chapter 1, verse 6 of Nehemiah, it said, I confess we have sinned against you. What did he do? He's one of the people who understands it's not just them, it's us. Even my own family and I have sinned. Notice he takes ownership. Here we are in the king's palace, but I can't forget. We all were a part of this. We have sinned terribly by not, here's the statement, obeying the commands, decrees, and regulations that you gave us through your servant Moses. We have not been obedient. 
My family is no different. Now, I like the fact that he admitted it, and that is the first key to responding to a stronghold. Come on, say, admit your part in the bondage. Come on. I am fascinated by how many people never take ownership for their part. Let, let, let's, let's just say it is wrong in your family right now. Let's say there is, but what part did you play? What part does overcoming by faith play? Where should we say we're sorry? Where, 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 where will we jump in to help the poor and the uneducated and the hurting? Is our ultimate dream just bigger things for ourselves? We want to live for ourselves. Is, am I teaching on tithing and giving so we can build our coffers and have a big, big pot of money? And is that, is that the goal? We should repent if that's the goal. Somewhere in his mind, he's seeing a new picture. You can have a moment, and in that moment, you see strongholds you didn't even know existed in you. I, I wait. I, oh, I can't say I wager. That'd get me in trouble. Uh, I would think <laughs> that we could easily fall into this trap. But what I love about this, while going through all of that, when you read through chapter 1, when you get to chapter 2, he goes to work and the king sees his face, and now he's affected. He's so affected he can't work the same. He's, it, it, it stands out to his boss. And the king looks at him and says, Nehemiah, what's, what's going on with you? You're not your normal self. Now, this is a problem because you don't need to, you don't need to make this guy in this culture, you know, um, upset. You're not there to be the highlight reel. Now, some people make themselves the highlight reel all the time. But in this environment, you can lose your head for being the highlight reel. And so he's a little bit afraid, but then he tells the king, well, king, my people are in bondage, and I'm here. And I'm concerned about my people. I'm concerned about how my people are doing. I'm concerned about how they're feeling. I'm concerned. And he, he sits there, and, and he tells the king his heart. And I love this, this response. The king asks, how can I help you? It's one thing to have a complaint. It's one thing to have an issue. It's another thing to have a solution. Look at your neighbor and say, what is your plan. Come on, sit in and say, what is your plan? Hand me a bottle of water, would you there, brother? For a second. Let me show you something. Hand me something. Here. See, whenever you have a challenge, you have to have a prayer and a plan. If you ain't got a plan, you can't fix it. Say amen if you're hearing me. Ask your neighbor, say, what is your plan? You can, you can see a problem identify it, but if you don't have a solution to it, all you did was identify a problem. Nehemiah is deeply disturbed. He's, he's, he's struggling. He's having a hard time trying to find his way, but, he, but he's not just praying. Some of you are really good at praying, but you don't have a plan. I'm waiting on God to give me a plan. God's waiting on you to come up with something. <laughs> now, here's how, here's, here's how he knows you have the ability to plan. You ready? Take your right hand. Put it on your head. Say, this is why. 
He gave you something right up there. It might be a bad plan, but it's a plan. So to respond to the stronghold, you have to first admit the problem and your part in the problem. Number two, you have to develop a plan. All these, sometimes they have these, you know, community gatherings and people get up. I just don't, I want to say, well, when I was a kid, we used to have young people under control. Nowadays, there's nothing. And they just give these big speeches. And I want to yell, what's your plan? What's your part in this? Well, I never did do drugs, but you was drunk every Friday night. <laughs> every Eagle Flower Friday. Saturday, I what? Go out to place. Yeah, some of you say, I don't, what are they talking about? Eagle Fly. <laughs> oh, they said all the time. They say Eagle Fly on Friday. That means to get paid on Friday. Saturday, I do what? Go out and play. Mm-hmm. Some of you like you don't know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. It was called partying. Maybe you didn't do what these kids did, but you, you, you passed the baton. You passed the spirit of. You, you created a foundation that made this possible. See, I think it's really important to understand your part in it. These are the children. These are our children. We were present. Nehemiah sees the problem, sees the bondage, but then offers a plan and he says, I got a plan, you know, I got a plan now. I tell you, I, I, I've got a problem here. How can I help you? The Bible said with the prayer to the God of heaven, I replied. He prayed first, Lord, help me. Here we go. If it pleases the king and if you are pleased with me, look at this now. Your servant send me to Judah to rebuild the city where my ancestors are buried. Send me where there's a problem. I don't want to just talk about it. I don't just want to complain about it. I don't want to just say these things are bad. I want you to make me a part of the solution. See, I used to pray all the time for God to move in Savannah. I used to pray, God, I want you to bring revival in Savannah. I didn't ask him to send me. Now, this is the truth. I never prayed to be a pastor. I never, listen, I never prayed to be a pastor. I never prayed to be a preacher. Not one prayer. I never said, Lord, make me a preacher. Never. I'm telling you, I got hooked in this thing. I got up and gave a testimony. Somebody said, you did a good job. Before you know it, I was preaching. <laughs> I never once prayed to be a pastor in my life. I'm not against it. I'm just telling the truth. I never did. I didn't think it was a great career. You laughing? Did you pray to pray? <laughs> I mean, Lord, make them all pastors. And you know, <laughs> said, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. But I love the fact that this guy was willing to not just pray the prayer. He was willing to be a part of the solution. And so the king says, hey, you know, here it is. Tell me what your plan is. Send me. Third thing he did was set a time. You know, you can't just admit there's a bondage. You can't just make up a plan. You have to have a timetable. Some of us are really good at identifying a problem. We're really good at identifying a bondage. This is a stronghold. This is exactly what shouldn't be. And you're really good at developing a plan. You write it all out, but then you never implement. You never launch. 
So you're always talking about what's wrong, and you're always talking about your plan, but you never, ever, ever implement it. And so I love the fact that the king, with the queen sitting beside him, asked him, how long will you be gone? Give me a time frame. When will you return? And I told him how long I would be gone, and the king agreed. Notice what the king responds to. Number one, a guy with passion. A guy who acknowledges a real problem. And the king knew about it. Number two, the king responds to a guy with a plan. And number three, the king responds to a guy with a timetable. You want God to bless you? Care about something. You want God to use you? Burn with fire about some issue. And then develop a plan. I tell you, write it down. If God gives me the money, here's what I would do for kids. If God did this for me, here's what the kind of organization I would create. If you're concerned and if you're really passionate, show it. And then start setting a time. Well, what if I'm off? Reset the clock. I'm starting in three days. Okay, well, seven days. All right, seven years. But we start. Set a time. And I love the fact that it's a time that he knew he could keep. Number four. I love this. Now, this is the part that most people fall off the wagon on. Repeat this with me, please. Say, take responsibility. And be, and be honest about what you need. What you need. Now, this is how you respond to a stronghold. You got to admit your part in the bondage. Number two, develop a plan. Number three, set a time. And then number four, this is important, take responsibility and be honest about what you need. Now, let's say, for example, you have a desire to start a business. First thing you need to do is admit where the need is. Then you have to develop a plan. And then you have to set a time to start the business. And then you have to... Take responsibility and be honest about what you need. Let's say you want to get married. You admit, okay, uh, I, uh, I need to get married, get my marriage, get my life going in a better direction. I think marriage is a good choice, so let's get married. So, okay, I'm going to develop a plan. I want, I want to develop a, a plan. I'm going to marry this person, okay, and we're going to set a time. Now I've got to take responsibility and be honest about what I need. You can apply this all kinds of ways. Number four is so crucial because the fourth thing is what makes businesses fail. It's what makes marriages fail. It's what makes churches fail. It's what makes a lot of things fail. Number four, the fourth thing on the list. A lot of people can admit the bondage. A lot of people can develop a plan. A lot of people can come up with some kind of you know, time limit. But very few people have the courage, very few churches, very few pastors can take responsibility and be honest about what they need. It's, it's wonderful for you to come to me and tell me, okay, I, I, you know, here's what, what I plan to do. But notice with me, this guy could say, here's what I need, King, for the job to be done. I need a letter. I need, I need authority to go out and get the supplies to do this. I need authority from you. Number two, I need something for myself. Notice his concern for his job and for himself. If you don't take responsibility and if you're not honest about what you need for your job and for yourself, you'll fail. Listen to his words, chapter 2, verse 8. Please give me a letter addressed to Asaph, the manager of the king's forest, instructing him to give me timber. I will need it to make beams for the gates of the temple, fortress, for the city walls. Pause. I need this for the job. I need these tools for the job. I can't get the job done if I don't have these assets. 
I can't start the business if I don't have these assets. It can't be done. Our marriage won't work if we don't have this, this put together. It won't work. I have to be, these are the things I need to do the job. Are you with me? These are the th- I need this education. I need this degree. I need this kind of counseling for me to get past this season. I, for me to fix these walls that are torn down in my life, these are the things I need. You have to be honest and take responsibility and say, these are the things I need. You can't lie about them. Most businesses that fail, fail because you don't have enough cash. Because you hire incorrectly. You don't know how to hire people. You don't have the tools for the job. Now, I want you to notice that's the first thing he mentions. Take responsibility. He was honest. Amazing. That's what made Nehemiah special. And number two, this is the hardest part for some people. What do you need for yourself? You're great at asking for the job. You're great at taking care of your company. You're great at taking care of other people. You're great at focusing on the mission, but you're not good at thinking about yourself. Nehemiah said these words. I also need something for a house for myself. I don't just need this timber for the walls. I need need to build a house for my family. (laughs) The king granted him all the things he requested. King gave him everything. God's hand was on his life, and, and, and God gave him everything. But he asked for two things. Here's what you can do wrong. You can build a great business that will kill you. All of your life will be devoted to your children. All of your life will be devoted to a church. All of your life will be devoted to some cause, and you will die. You will live outside. What sense does it make for him to go and build the walls, and his family is living outside? You see, it becomes a stronghold. It's the wrong way to respond to a stronghold. It's the wrong way to handle what you're trying to fix. So you're trying to save all the kids in school, but your wife never gets any of your time. I'm trying to save the whole world, but my my kids never talk to me. I'm trying to save you so I never sleep, I don't work out, I don't eat right, I don't have any money, I'm struggling, and I'm up here helping you. Lord, help me. And I love this last part. He took action. He didn't just admit the bondage. He didn't just develop a plan. He didn't just, he didn't just set a time. He didn't just take responsibility and was honest about what he needed for himself and for his job. But he was a guy, number five, who took action and he actually rebuilt the wall. He delivered. Listen to me. He delivered. Nehemiah chapter 6 verse 15 says, on October 2nd, the wall was finished and just How many days? 52 days. It does not take long if you focus. You can change everything. He went from being depressed to in 52 days, he rebuilt the wall around Jerusalem and changed everything in 52 days. Some say 30 to 40 days, you can change a habit. You can change your entire life. You can go from scooting to walking. You can go from hurting to being pain-free. You can go from being broke to having a dollar in the bank for real. You can change everything in your life if you would just do one thing. Take action. Say that with me, please. Come on. Take action. I close with the final thought. Three things I personally learned about strongholds. Three things. Number one, everybody can be put in bondage. 
There's a trap for every, every size of income and status. Everybody can be in bondage. Everybody can have a stronghold in their life, including me. And I can give you a list of strongholds preachers can have. Insecurity, fear, anxiety, getting up here, looking at people. Did I preach good? Am I doing good? How am I doing today? Am I dressed right? Is this fitting right? Am I, am I, is my mic? Can you hear me? Oh, please, Jesus, help us. And then when you're finished, did I do okay? And everybody walks that way. And very few people say you did a good job. Everybody leaves. You sometimes you say, hey, see y'all later. A couple of stragglers say, you did a good job, good word. Now watch, after church, I'm going to get a lot of it today. Now, right? <laughs> good job, great job, preacher. You're doing good. You're doing good. <laughs> Second thing I've learned, everybody that looks free is not free. Sometimes at home, your walls are broken down. And that's surprising. Thirdly, I've learned this, everybody is not willing to pay the price to be free. Some people have a family culture of strongholds and bondage, and they have become accustomed to it. Matter of fact, they're scared of freedom. What is your stronghold? What is it that has you bound? I believe there are two types of strongholds. One is the present and active stronghold. It has you now. It has you right now. You're in its grips. Second kind is one that's attempting. It's called, I call it an attempting stronghold. It doesn't have you, but it's trying to get you. It's always grabbing for you. Depression, frustration, it's always trying to get you. At some point, you have to say, you know what? Today, I'm intentionally tearing down this stronghold. Today, I'm saying no to this. Today, I'm saying in Jesus' name, I will not be bound another day of my life. Oh, Jesus, I thank you for the word of God today. For every heart and every mind has heard this message. I pray that they would think through where they are and where they need to be. I ask you in Jesus' name to lift every heart and every mind in this place. There are active strongholds right now that have them bound. But there's some that's trying to get them. I ask you in Jesus' name to let Nehemiah be an example for us. Admit our part in the bondage. Develop a plan. Set a time limit. Take responsibility and take action. And Father, may this be the beginning of the breaking of those strongholds in our lives so that our minds and our souls are not tied up, worrying and paralyzed by these issues. I speak the word of God over every family today. And I declare, lift those hands high, would you please? I speak freedom to your people. I speak freedom to their minds. I speak freedom. Let somebody help them see the areas of their life. Let the right questions be asked. Let this be a moment, Lord God, when they come to a great revelation. I see it now. Now, Father, when they see it, let this begin to be that moment of healing for them. In the name of Jesus. There's somebody here that doesn't know your Savior. Somebody here that's never really given their life to Jesus. May this be the moment they say, I need Jesus in my life. I see the strongholds in my 